What's going on, guys? Welcome to Military Cash Flow. What's going on with you, Mike? Nothing much, man. Uh, the book is out. The book is out. This is the first part. This is how late. This is how late we record, guys. But the book is finally out, right? So it, it actually did very well with less than 10 hours from the time that I launched. I got bestseller in two categories, and one of them was financial sell or financial services, which is which is huge. So I, I do greatly appreciate everybody's support because this was a team effort from the ground up, you know. So uh, uh, I it wouldn't have been possible without the uh, the love and support from the military cash flow community. So I'm definitely happy about that. And then uh, we're expanding to Charlotte. I will be in Charlotte in October. Um, the Five Pillars uh, Realty Group in the practice. Uh, so if you guys are looking for investment properties in Charlotte, let me know. Yeah, man. So mm. got some good stuff going. What about you, brother? Mm. I'm still over here and uh, still over here overseas. I'm actually in Germany right now and I'm liking it. It's uh, I'm having a good time. Um, uh, just just working, basically, just working a lot. But uh, outside of that, in my free time, I'm working on getting this real estate course, so I, or this real estate license, uh, so I can be one of the cool guys like uh, like my friends over at Five Pillars, man. So um, finally working on this real estate course. Hopefully, by the time I get back, I'll be able to go ahead and take the course or take the uh, the exam, excuse me, and then I'll get that, we'll get licensed, and then we'll be off to the races, man. And hopefully, uh, who knows, one day we'll set up uh, possibly a, another Five Pillars branch in Savannah or something, you know? Um, so yeah, looking yeah. forward to it, looking forward to it. It's good times. All right, guys, we got a repeat guest. Um, his name is Alvin Cavalier, he's a great guy, one of my longtime friends and mentors. Um, we're gonna be talking about some Airbnb. Yeah, buddy. And he's going to tell us not only how, as a property owner, we can start investing in Airbnb, but if we were just an investor, he's going to talk about that Airbnb arbitrage model a little bit more and how to make it not only recession proof, but pandemic proof. He said, don't worry about COVID, Bubba. He's still making money. So this is a great episode and we're going to dive right in. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby, and this is the Military Cash Flow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, guys? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And welcome to the Military Cash Flow. Today, I'm really excited. We got a very special guest on. His name is uh, Alvin Cavalier. He goes by Cav. He's a longtime friend of mine. And if you remember, if you've been a longtime listener to the show, then you'll see, uh, you're, you will have noticed that he was uh, episode number three. First time's ever, uh, first guest, I think, that's ever come on a couple times. So uh, it's pretty cool. He's going to talk about some Airbnb stuff. And um just he, he's, he's just crushing the game right now. So, Cav, please uh, introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do, please. Hey, everybody. I'm I'm Alvin Cavalier. Go by Cav, also known as as Coach Cav, uh, with respect to to Airbnb and and all the things that uh, we do in the Airbnb community. I'm originally from New Orleans, uh, active duty military. So a lot of the Airbnb uh, stuff. Uh, is mostly what we call uh, a side hustle. But in our three years, uh, we built 
a substantial uh, portfolio with over 60 uh, sharing economy, as we call it, investments across the, uh, across the country. You said in three years? Yes, in three years. Very impressive. So people already know a little bit about you based on the last interview and they kind of understand uh, uh, some of the things that you've done, but give a, a brief overview of what that shared economy system really looks like. What does that entail? So, so the sharing economy as, as we look at it, so you look at all of those things that, uh, that encompass the sharing economy, Airbnb being sort of the center of gravity right? Because it's customer orientated, it's customer focused. They bring the clients into our space. So the way we look at it at your space is that Airbnb provides us not only the marketing, the platform and the client base. So we take all of the other platforms and services that exist in the sharing economy and we bring those to bear into what was then uh, a traditional Airbnb. And we take that concept and we expand it out into a sharing economy hub and for example we have several properties uh, that are dual purpose right so some properties uh, will be very specific to Airbnb clientele and then some properties will have not only uh, Airbnb business but also they're listed on peer space so you have room in one house that house uh, guests for Airbnb, you have room in another in the same uh, room in the same home that uh, has the capacity to take photo shoots and also a space for events. So in a perfect scenario, uh, we could have a peer space event from eight to 12, uh, the same day that we have a guest coming in, checking in at 4pm for for a couple days. So Conceptually, and looking at uh, services like Instacart that deliver groceries, uh, we've got Uber and Lyft uh, business accounts tied in, so we're able to bring guests in uh, from their point of destination into, into their Airbnb, and also a number of other services, personal chef, chef services, personal massage services that are tied into, into some of these Airbnbs. So they truly create, in some cases, uh, a sharing economy hub. And, and that gets us away from what we traditionally see with Airbnb hosts, right? It, there becomes a, a big conversation about how am I doing and what's my occupancy rates and what do I need to do to be successful? But uh, when you're operating within the confines of the sharing economy, you're bringing in multiple streams of income from multiple services then you get past the discussion of just occupancy rates and now you're having a broader discussion uh, that's focused around profit margins and also taxes, the impacts of those. That is outstanding. So let me just get this straight really quick. So basically you are taking all of these systems, right? The Airbnb, the Turo, you said the personal chef, the massage, you're taking all of them and you're, you're, you're incorporating them into one, i.e. the shared economy. So the way I look at that, right, is most people just do Airbnb and they're talking about, um, basically they're running, you know, a, a hotel, if you will, but or I guess like a, I don't know, what's a, a red roof in hotel, if you will. Hey, we only, you can only sleep here. That's pretty much it, right? But it sounds like, from what you're saying is that you are offering literally a Waldorf of hotels, like a, like a, um, anything you want, 
you know, you are able to run that from each individual Airbnb space. Am I understanding that correctly? Right, in, in some capacity. And if you, you think about it, uh, the way this sort of came about was looking at Walt Disney, right? If, if you go to Disney World, uh, a person can book lodging, they can book transportation services around the park, they can go to their favorite store, they can go to uh, a museum on site. They literally have an abundance of services at their fingertips, right? So, so conceptually, Walt Disney uh, had this sharing economy model right a long time ago. So understanding that, uh, we just look at what services that exist within the sharing economy that are appropriate to bring into uh, an Airbnb space, understanding our traveler demographics and locations, uh, what are those essential services that would be beneficial to add to the guest experience? So we create a sort of a Walt Disney concept, right, within the confines of, of a home. That's beautiful, man, because today, society is driven around convenience. Everybody wants things to be convenient and they want the experience. So now you've almost taken, so like, like the uh, example of a hostel, that's extremely mm -hmm. popular in international travel. Well, you kind of created that same space and same experience through Airbnb model. So why, why would a, a owner, uh, from the owner's perspective, why would an owner be more interested in your model than the standard traditional one family, one use. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses, we have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there. So go check that out. And with that, here's a word from our sponsors. Well, so, so for starters, right, we, we get into the rental arbitrage conversation. Uh, we do something uh, unique. Uh, it's a little risky in some cases, uh, at least talking to some folks. But owners, right, as we look at it, all homeowners have, uh, or they face in some capacity, rental and tenant inefficiencies, or they will. So, so we understand that, hey, your biggest problem to uh, being a successful either investor or um, or homeowner involves reducing vacancies in your units. So understanding that what we do is we offer a long-term lease agreement at a minimum 36 months and most times out to, to five years. On top of that comes with property management services and then we have corporate contracts with uh, security services like Fivit. So we bring all of that to bear to a homeowner and the pitch is simply, hey, uh, we're gonna offer you a long-term lease agreement. We're gonna manage the property for any uh, maintenance costs and incidentals that are, uh, are under 300 bucks or they don't involve um, infrastructure or major appliances. We'll, we'll take care of that. We'll count it into our operational cost against the business and we'll replace it. We just need guidance from them on the front end as to if, if they have a particular type of appliance or brand they want replaced, uh, we'll get that ahead of time so we can operate 
uh, with some autonomy. And then tying in the security package so homeowners then get tied into the security package once it gets installed so they have complete uh, access and complete transparency with, with the cameras and the lock system as to what's going on at the home at all times. So, so when you put that together, uh, it becomes a very, very enticing offer for homeowners. And, and we've seen it work uh, with a simple email script that's part of the, uh, the course that's coming out where the, the email script goes out and then we simply wait on a reply or a phone call from, from homeowners. And, and literally within 15 minutes in some cases, you could go from sending an email out to having uh, a, a hot lead on, on a five-year lease agreement with, with a homeowner in 15 minutes. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic, man. So I, I, know, I know what you just broke down, um, what you just broke down was why a homeowner would want to basically use your services uh, for man, you know, for doing the arbitrage, the arbitrage method. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what, uh, what Mike was asking is like, why would, why would a regular person doing Airbnb want to, um, want to do that method, want to do your method versus just the traditional Air, uh, Airbnb model? And I think you answered that as well, basically risk mitigation, right? Yes. So, so in a nutshell, I think when you, when you start to explain uh, to folks to break it down uh, simply uh, with all the services that exist within the sharing economy, if, if I talk to another investor about uh, Uber, do, do you use Uber? Yes. Have you used uh, a mobile massage service called Zill before? If, if not, can you conceptually see ordering a service and adding it on to, to your guest stay? Yes. Uh, personal chef, chef services that, that exist in major metropolitan areas uh, could easily be added on, as well as uh, transportation in and around uh, some areas. So the conversation in, to bring them in conceptually into what, we do, what we're doing uh, becomes very easy from a, a doable standpoint and, and understanding that there's systems in place to, to mitigate the risks that, uh, that come along with managing multiple uh, systems, multiple people, multiple platforms. So, so to me, this almost sounds like it's, it's like it's foolproof. You know, it sounds like this can withstand <laughs> the test of time, right? Because one, as a personal property owner, if you have a vacancy, they can reach out to a service like yours and now it's covered. Now they don't have to worry about it because you signed a long-term lease. They have guaranteed income and then you're doing your thing on the back end. Now, as an investor, if they say, hey, if I can actually install an arbitrage, I can go and sign this long-term lease, mm -hmm. I can still hand off this whole project yes. to a property management company that can make the same, same event, same, same uh, environment. And that's, that sounds like it's, uh, it's almost recession-proof, it's foolproof. Yeah, I call it more COVID-proof too, right? So... <laughs> So, so we saw the COVID brought the short-term rental market uh, to its knees, right? And, and at the time, we had uh, roughly about 43 or 44 properties uh, through March. On the other side of, of March, let's just say end of April, by the end of April, uh, I was up to, to about 51. So... So you look at that when everybody was offloading uh, their Airbnbs, 
and we were taking on um, more properties. And part of that goes back to not, not only uh, understanding uh, the risk, but, but also taking on risk where other people, or taking on risk and opportunities, taking on opportunities where other people saw risk, right? So for most of our homeowners that we, we had long-term lease agreements with, uh, we were barely affected, I think, in a couple markets like Panama City Beach, where beaches just completely shut down. But we, we've also always had on the shelf uh, risk mitigation rental models, rental methods through Facebook Marketplace and, and other platforms. And then we still had some of the other ancillary services that were still bringing in income uh, to those properties that, that enabled them to, to sustain uh, the onslaught of COVID. I, I, I got to ask, how, you just said you had 40 something and then before COVID hit, you had 150? No, no. After end of April timeframe, uh, got up to about 51 or so. Oh, 51. So we okay, okay. 51 is still a lot mm -hmm. and you're active duty. So how, one, are they all in the same market? Are you, are you managing <laughs> properties in the same market across the world? And how the hell are you doing that while you're still active duty? Yeah, so, so you'll give me an opportunity to give a shout out to, to my phenomenal team. Uh, Winston, Marin, and Tamara, and Davina. Awesome team of, of support that enabled, enables us to, to operate within the framework and structure of the business to, to manage things on a day-to-day -day basis. So, so again, this gets back to uh, like most other systems having uh, or businesses having a framework and then systems in place to, to support that. But in this case, uh, you can build out and automate a lot of your systems and processes within Airbnb. And it really cuts your your day-to-day -day, uh, workload down to to a few hours in most cases, even with the number of properties that uh, that we take on. So it's a it's a it's a large load, but it's not it's not a daunting task with with the right people and the right systems uh, in place. And so, are all those properties in the same market, or are they international? I'm sorry. No, yeah, they're yeah. yeah, they're 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 across the United States from Olympia, Washington, down to a couple markets in in Texas, and spread out across the East Coast. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, man, that, that's crazy. I love I love that um, the systems that you guys put in place, especially for uh, risk mitigation, and I really I really like that. You know. COVID took a hit. Everybody's saying, hey, nobody's coming to my coming to my places to like, you know, tourism and things, but you're still offering event spaces. You're still offering um, other things that are offsetting those costs, right? And then outside of that, we've talked several times and in, 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 um, you mentioned a lot of the tax advantages that come with, just like we know anybody that invests, hey, that when we have a vacancy, that's, you know, that's, that is deducted from our, our cash flow, right? So um, that's, it's a tax, uh, tax deductible expense, right? So how are you, um, how has that helped you in your business model? Just switching to taxes. Really tremendously. And, and again, I, I, I hate to sell uh, what we do as, as, a, uh, as a tax benefit, but, but the reality of it is, is that uh, when you understand short-term rentals and the nature of it from a tax perspective, and you think about the, the profit margin uh, gain that traditional real estate investors tend to look at, it, it brings about a difficult discussion in most cases with 
most uh, Airbnb investors because uh, when you when you understand taxes and when you leverage in a tax play, it pushes your profit margins really towards the, the end of the year uh, versus a month to month look. And, and the most significant thing about short term rentals in this case is that uh, just about 100% of your expenses uh, are tax deductible. Do just due to the nature of, of short term rentals being a non non passive activity. And the example that, that I always get is that uh, you can have a guest that comes in and give you a, a one star review based on the fact that you did not provide them fried green tomatoes. Now, you may have not promised them fried green tomatoes, but in their subjective opinion, they're entitled to fried green tomatoes. So they give you a one-star review. Now, the, the significance of that is that one-star review then directly impacts your ability to, to make a profit, right? Because it's a review-based system that these short-term rental uh, platforms hold. So, so what that means is when you think about the framework of taxes, it has to be ordinary or necessary, meaning the, the Marriott does it and provides bottled water and, and a TV. So it's normal industry practice. So yes, that's automatic tax deduction. But for all the other things like fried green tomatoes and ESP in the magazine and anything else that a guest may or may not complain about, uh, you now, uh, you're operating in an area where you can add to a guest experience and then those expenses become tax deductible. So, so on the surface, we understand all of the ordinary things that go into, into short-term rentals and then all of the, the extra necessities that, that pile on and then go into the loss column. And then due to the nature uh, of, of short-term rentals, uh, you, you get to a point where uh, you're following on Schedule C versus Schedule E. And, and that's significant, especially for, for folks that have W-2 income, because we all understand that uh, those Schedule C losses help offset uh, our taxable W-2 income. And, and the example I always give in this case is that, and why the rental arbitrage model for those investors that, that choose to go this route, uh, a lot of them are tax savvy in this case, but we, we understand simply that Hey, if I take on, by taking on one property, I can estimate out my expenses over the course of the year. And depending on the, the size of the home, and I'll just say a four bedroom home in this case, it's going to cost me about $50,000 that year, the, the initial year. So, so understanding that from a tax standpoint, I'm counting $50,000 already as a loss, regardless of what happens uh, with that property. And unless I make $50,000 in one sense, then uh, that $50,000 is gonna offset my taxable W-2 income or most of it will. So, so when you understand that and then you multiply two, three, four homes in, in one year, uh, then that becomes a pretty significant loss that you take on over a course of 12 months. And then you, you really start having the same conversations that, that Walmart's having, right? And people under, don't understand, well, how are these big corporations not 
uh, paying any taxes. Well, it, it's simple, right? And the rules don't change for for short-term renters or for any anybody. You've just got to understand it. But when you understand it and you're able to apply it, then it becomes a significant advantage. So, so then we, we come full circle back to this discussion about profit margins. And sometimes when I talk to investors about uh, what this investment looks like on the surface and they say, well, the profit margins are only uh, at 20%, right? Month to month. And I need to, to make 40 to 50% in order to take on this investment. And then I bring them into the tax discussion and it doesn't become a very clear thing that this is a long-term look because of the way you're going to be taxed and, and the losses you'll take initially. So your profit margins won't come to bear until later on when you file your tax returns, right? Uh, so, so that becomes a pretty significant discussion. And for those that understand it, uh, they come into understanding why rental arbitrage is not only effective, but, but it becomes a, a great tax benefit for, for any investor. And, and Warren Buffett said it best. If y'all don't know who Warren Buffett is, he's now the third or fourth or the fifth wealthiest guy because, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos keep back. <laughs> but he says that tax or, or accounting essentially is the, the lineage of business, learning, self-educating themselves on tax law. They get to, to just reap in the benefits because they understand it. So exactly what he's talking about here is, is just super important, especially if you have other income that you need to offset, right? People invest in, in, in the real estate for many different reasons mm -hmm. and tax strategy is one of the primary reasons why people use real estate as an investment vehicle. And that right there was a perfect example of it. I, I do have a question for you, Cav. The, uh, you mentioned a couple of different times about the profit margins um, and how you know they might be a little bit higher using this model. As a landlord, as a landlord, I, if if we get a sub, a long term lease, two side point or two sides of the coin here, do you provide any sort of profit sharing model with the landlord that you sign a long lease with, or if I'm just an investor and I don't own the property but I am arbitraging it? Do you just typically charge a management fee to, and then allow me to collect the rest of the profits? How do you kind of work that model? Right. So I'll tell you that we, we've done a number of, of different agreements and it, it goes back to the, the, the business uh, side of it, right? Uh, everything's negotiable. So, so, so we've taken on homeowners that have asked uh, a, a number of questions to do this in a number of ways. Uh, but the bottom line, uh, we tend to stay away from a profit sharing model, right? Uh, we, we look to, to provide uh, income through rent the first of the month for a defined period of time for, for homeowners. Now, what we, we have a discussion looking at how we've done on the short-term rental side. So, so that becomes a professional discussion in terms of uh, do we, uh, we raise the rent to, to help them stay within the market in terms of appreciation, especially if the business is, is doing well. So that, that becomes the only service level discussion for, uh, for homeowners. On the other side, for arbitragers, we do take on uh, properties and that's typically starting at about 15, 15%. And if they want to include our professional pricing that goes up to 25%. So, so that's all encompassing. And then the, the difference with that becomes is a 
a professional pricing look at at every market and what they're doing based on profit margins that the investors set uh, and target occupancy rates. And then we take uh, our internal pricing tool and we price units against investor profit margins, investor targeted occupancy rates, and then <clears throat> we allow units to flourish based on their numbers. And then against market averages, we either uh, raise or lower those. But in most cases, 90, 99% of the time, we are operating uh, well above where the market needs to be. But the, the key is that we're hitting the investors targeted profit margins along with their targeted occupancy rates. So, so we're able to streamline efforts through our professional pricing strategy. Dude. Hey, so, so really quick, I just want to, just for all the listeners out there, right? I, I think um, you're breaking it down beautifully, breaking it down beautifully. I just want to do a very simple, like scenario based thing, right? So I'm a homeowner or I'm, I'm a, a landlord, right? I have a single family home. Let's say the going rent for the area is about a thousand dollars. Um, I approach you. I say, "Hey, Cav, I have I have a uh, home that I just want I just want to make a thousand dollars on every single you know every single month." You come and you say, "All right, Roger that. We can do that." What does what does um, that look like for you, the person that's doing the Airbnb arbitrage? What does that What does all of that look like? Well, the, the first thing we'll do is go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm talking about as far as like the whole entire setup, you know, the, I, I got a blank house, whole entire setup. And then also, you know, what is my level of involvement as me as a homeowner? What do I need to do? And then also what type of profits do you typically see from something like that in a, in a, a fairly decent market? All right. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, make sure you go leave a five-star review on the podcast and then also go check out militarycashflow.com to get access to all the products we have. We have a bunch of great stuff on the website to include um, access to the Facebook group, access to a military cash flow calculator so you can analyze your deals. We have uh, courses, we have all of our social media. We just have a bunch of stuff on there. So go check that out. And with that, Here's a word from our sponsors. All we use is Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, and the, the reason why we like the South in most cases is because we'll get uh, way below market rents in most cases. And then we're able to, uh, to monetize homes because of, of the pricing model. But what that looks like on a surface, so, so we'll first conduct a market analysis in the area. And we have a very unique uh, method of looking through Airbnb to search filters to figure out where market gaps exist. And then that determines which homeowners we go after with, with the email script and, and targeted emails that go out on various websites. Once that comes back and say in this case, we have a home homeowner calls back, he's got the home listed at $1,000. We understand where the market gaps exist. So once we get into a verbal agreement with, with the homeowner, uh, typically, we'll ask for three to four weeks of, uh, of time before we take on a lease in order to get our logistical processes in order. After the homeowner then gives us uh, a verbal, we're behind the scenes reviewing both uh, my short-term rental addendum, his lease agreement, uh, they're pretty much out of the way. Uh, then my team comes on. 
uh, initially taking the photos from the home. And then what, what we'll do is uh, we will build out a virtual listing with empty photos. It gets over to our, our design team lead, Davina. She will build the design board. We'll get that out to Fiverr. We'll get a virtual a listing built and we'll get it up on Airbnb within days. So we have a listing that's up generating income in some cases, three to four weeks before we even sign a lease agreement. And that becomes key because we're starting to generate income against the next month's uh, bills before, or a month in some cases before, before we take the properties on. So, so that moves us really uh, from our sourcing phase to our building phase where uh, then the process, the logistical process of ordering items through, through Amazon, uh, Walmart, then starts to take shape. And then our team lead or our site lead in this case uh, has already hired throughout the, the right uh, team members using Thumbtack in most cases, and then setting those vendors up to, uh, to service the property. So once the site lead goes down, to, uh, to get everything set up. That's usually a, a five to seven day process where they're on site with the vendors uh, directing traffic and uh, up to the last day where the photographer's taking photos. And then uh, ideally the, the first guest is walking in at four o'clock as the photographer's leaving uh, the, uh, the same day. And then the, that transitions to the managed phase where, where it's steady state, where we, we turn on all the automated processes, whether it's uh, pricing software, uh, channel managers, uh, home security, smart lock systems that all give us the ability to remotely control properties and manage them from, from anywhere. And that's the beautiful model. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Like, I, so I have, I have several Airbnbs and Airbnb arbitrages. And to be honest, one of the biggest issues is finding competent and proficient uh, management for something like that. And the, what you've done is you've created a, a business model that now allows anybody across the nation. If you say, hey, for some reason, I can't find a tenant, a long-term tenant. Well, hey, I can call your company. You can get everything set up and I can turn this a potential vacancy into mm -hmm. a money machine. And then, you know, as boom, it's done, it's done. You pretty much made it hands-free for anybody. So now anybody across the nation who says, I've always wanted to get into Airbnb, but I just don't know how, you've solved that for them. That's that convenience factor that I was talking about in the beginning. That's, that's why Amazon is so big. They made it convenient. So great job, great job constructing this thing. It's beautiful. Love the love the setup. Yeah. So can you can you all right? So you, you talked about the um, the whole entire system on the back end, how it works as me as a manager. It sounds like me as the land landlord does not need to do anything at all in this process, right? Except for basically collect a check whenever you paid on the first of the month. So now that you have everything set up, you've already you've already uh, got the listing up. You got the pictures taken. What type of what type of profits am I typically seeing from that? Or do uh, you as the like? me as a person that's doing the arbitrage. Okay, so I'll go back to my example in Montgomery that I didn't expand upon, but uh, <laughs> here it is. So, so I've got a, a three-bedroom home in, in Montgomery, Alabama that I have the capacity due to the market analysis to, to sleep 12 people. So, so in this case, the rent in that home is 975. Uh, 
due to me filling a unique need uh, or gap in the market with sleeping 10 plus people, I, I have one of our four homes in the market that can take on larger groups of people. So, so now I can uh, command pricing in this case for that particular group, which then uh, allows me to, to charge a higher nightly rate. So, so for that particular home, nightly rates are between 125 and, and 150 uh, per night, which, which gives us uh, over 100% profit margin on, on each night. So, so by and large, on average, for, for those particular homes in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, we're seeing uh, upwards of $1,500 to $2,000 profit uh, per month after, uh, after expenses. Excellent. Now, really quick. Anybody that's listening, what I want you to do, I urge you to go back to episode three and listen to that episode, right? That was just a year ago. I think it might've been just over a year ago. And look at the, I remember in that episode, you specifically talked about uh, getting to where you are now. And you were talking about the share economy. You're mm -hmm. saying, hey, I'm about to start. I'm incorporating this and, I, and I'm getting the systems in place. And it just, it's just so awesome to see. Like I keep smiling because I vividly remember that episode and I love seeing the transformation um, of people uh, manifesting and then actually making things, uh, making things happen and seeing things come to fruition. Right. So uh, I, I remember you specifically talking about, Hey, the key system, you're like uh, in New York, you had to call somebody at like three o'clock in the morning to go give them the key. And now you're talking about, Hey, I got keyless entries now. So you've completely, I mean, this is what consistency is about. This is what consistency and, and just, effort and hard work in, in managing and leveraging systems. The same stuff we talk about all the time. We're just talking about a, a one year, a one year period and just look at the growth, man. I, I can't tell you how, you know, how happy I am for you, man. I'm that's it's just, it's just awesome. It's just awesome here. And I'm like over here, like super excited. It's, it's just, it's just awesome. I love it. Yeah. So Thanks, I, I appreciate it. I got a question for you. So I got two parts, but this one, first and foremost, what is it, um, have you ran into this issue yet? Because I, I hear this asked quite often, like, hey, we get everything set up for Airbnb and we're, we're riding the wave of it. We've got a nice little high. And then all of a sudden the Airbnb stops being a thing. What, what is like your projected, I guess, action plan for investors and for homeowners that have already furnished it and all that other stuff? What, what's their exit strategy after that? To come to me. That should be their extra strategy, right? So, so, so one of the problems that that we don't we don't run into is because we we do uh, a thorough market analysis before taking on a property, right? Now I mentioned this earlier. Uh, we understand where market gaps exist, right? So if you think about this from a traveler standpoint, the the first thing we do is we look at location. The second thing we have to do is we have to put in how many people are staying with us. And then any other filters that uh, get us down to, to what we need, right? So whether it's pets, whether it's kids, pool or a hot, uh, every investor before they just go and add supply to a market, they should understand what, where are those unique uh, gaps in the market that I can fill, right? But, but once you narrow that scope down, and, and I'll give you an example, I'll come back to Montgomery, Alabama, when we did our initial market analysis, uh, we found two significant gaps. Uh, one was the head-to-bed ratio. There were uh, no homes in the market at the time that slept 10 plus people, right? Then all four of my homes are the only ones that are showing up uh, for large groups. Uh, the second thing, when we put in a filter for pets and 
and kid-friendly amenities for under for listings that slept under eight people, we only <clears throat> we only found less than five, right? So so what that allowed us to do was go in and take those homes once we got them under contract and build them out specifically to hit those market gaps. So now when folks go into Airbnb in Montgomery, Alabama, and we we assume that hey we've got a family of ten coming in for an Air Force graduation, they, they've got tooth pets, they've got kids, they're looking for kid-friendly amenities, and, and then my, my four places are the only ones to pop up in the search filter. So, so then you get around all of the other nuances of Airbnb issues surrounding, uh, uh, surrounding occupancy rates and surrounding uh, having a uh, Instabook filter on and some of those other things that uh, you're told right by by experts that uh, matter, but but in cases where you own portions of the market, uh, you set the prices and you don't have to to bend to uh, you don't have to bend to certain rules. And, and there's this myth uh, that exists about where do I rank on the first page, right? It it's never about where you stand uh, in the beginning. It's about where you where you finish. And I try to explain this from a, a, a market analyst standpoint, just as I, I broke down, right? So let's just say hypothetically you're on the front page when someone goes into Montgomery, Alabama to look for a place. That's great, right? But what happens then when they put in, they, they're traveling with 10 guests and two kids and two pets, and they're looking for an event space because, oh, by the way, they want to have a small event for their graduating uh, Air Force kit, right? How many homes are left standing when all the, you know, all the filters come down, right? That, that's where you need to focus. It's the back end where you, where you stand at the end. It's never about uh, what you look like on the front end. So, so to your, your question, uh, that's how we, we withstand and we help understand uh, how to, to become effective and, and succeed in any market. And then for, for each investor that, that we take on, uh, I immediately take their profile through the same, uh, the same filtered look. And it, it usually takes less than a week with uh, recommendations for, for them to change, for them to start to see dramatic changes within uh, how their, uh, their place is performing. I love that. You saying not where it starts, where you start in the beginning, it's where you finish in the end. And to go back to a proven track record, Jeff Bezos did the exact same thing with Amazon. He started off small, but it's where they finished. So I, I love that approach to it. Hey, I got, I got another uh, question for you for uh, this is a little tougher question, right? So I, like everything mm -hmm. you're saying is just, is just awesome. And I love that you have the, the whole entire system down packed. You got the team behind you and you've been doing this for a while. And like I said, I love the trajectory that you're on right now. Now, um, what do you say to the people that, um, that are thinking at some point the hotel industry might win, right? We're, we're starting to see a lot of, or we have seen, and, and it seems like it's starting to die down a little bit more, but the, I know there's a lot of cities like Savannah, for example, that's starting to put restrictions on how many Airbnbs can be in one market. I know that obviously the hotel industry, they're just going to keep trying to, you know, shut down Airbnb in general. So how, how do you combat that? And what do you, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think first of all, uh, Airbnb hasn't went public yet. Right. So, so 
the society by and large, their dependence on Airbnb is not, not quite there. So we know the rules of the game change once IPOs drop, right? Because then uh, people's retirement plans are gonna be tied to how well Airbnb does. That's gonna drive different conversations at city council uh, meetings. Uh, we, we know that to be a fact with, with every business that crosses the IPO line. So, so from my standpoint, uh, I say that Airbnb has a strong future regardless of what the hotel industry does. And, and in this case, we've already seen more of the bigger hotels been to uh, Airbnb model where they're taking on uh, short-term stays in, in that capacity than an Airbnb taking on more of a, a big hotel model. So, so the trending towards Airbnb, their model, is, is trending upwards and we've had a significant rise, I think somewhere about 300 and some odd percent rise in Airbnbs versus, versus hotels over the last five years. So I think from a market perspective, uh, Airbnb and the short-term rental model is here to stay and it gets back to something that Mike mentioned earlier about, um, about uh, it's the C word here. Uh, uh, consistent or convenience. <laughs> convenience. Oh, having okay. having I'll, convenience. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Airbnb, Airbnb provides travelers and families with not, not only unique privacy, but, but unique convenience. And, and that wins at the end of the day, uh, every time, in my opinion. Okay. So I do have one question for you before we start to start wrapping it up. You mentioned that you've been growing extremely fast. Everything's been great. You got a great team. Um, and the last episode that you were on was only a year ago. <laughs> now, how in the hell, what are you doing in your life where you're actually being able to stay active duty, fully committed mm -hmm. to that, and then still grow this? What does your structure look like? What are you doing for all those servicemen and women that want to know how to have a side hustle like this? I, I always come back to, to write people, uh, write people, write processes, right? When, when you tie the right, people to, to the right systems uh, from a framework standpoint, anything can, can work. And, and again, so, so this becomes a very automated process, right? Uh, from the, the platform, the messaging, the, the pricing, and, and the, uh, the technology that, that allows people in and out of properties uh, on its own. You, you can literally go through having a weekend in this case where, where I had uh, somewhere 40 some odd check-ins across the country. And I think I responded to, to two or three messages the, the entire weekend, which were very unique in some cases uh, with, with the people that were, uh, were checking in. But, but everything else allowed them to, to get into the property, uh, get their initial check-in message, get, get a follow-up message, they didn't have any questions or concerns or issues, and they were checking out today with the same uh, routine of messages that that allowed them to uh, to, to exit the property without any uh, anybody chiming in. That system, man, the systems and the processes and the people. That's it's just it's what it is. All right, so um, wrapping it up, right? So one the the very last question here is. Um, 
if you could give one piece of advice to any service members out there or any of our listeners out there that are trying to do something like what you're doing, right? What would that be? Well, I, I think uh, Airbnb is here to stay, right? And I, I think for anybody looking to get into real estate, uh, it has a low barrier to entry. And, and I'm, what I mean by that is it doesn't cost me anything to take my email script, send it to a bunch of homeowners and wait for them to, to say, yes, uh, I love what you're talking about. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll take on, uh, I'll take on your, your five-year lease agreement. That doesn't cost you anything to, to then be able to furnish, let's say a, a two bedroom home, uh, a modest $5,000 through whether it's Amazon or Facebook marketplace, then gets you into a fully functioning Airbnb uh, at less than $6,000 and you're off uh, making passive income with, uh, with less input in turn uh, monetary input than you would in most most other real estate type uh type of investments and then understanding markets markets matter in this case right so so one good example in, in the military communities i always tell our folks is uh we have a couple of uh, locations that are people drivers right fort benning fort jackson lackland air force base in san antonio and there are a couple others that that have trainees and if we understand societally what that means, what does a military graduation mean to a family, right? They, they come out in droves and they, they are economic influencers, in my opinion, for, for those markets. And by and large, because they're coming in large numbers versus hotels where they can, you know, put 10 people under one roof and share that family moment versus having to split out uh, between four hotel rooms, right? So, so understanding your travel demographics, your, your different locations, what those niches are in those markets, especially in some of our military markets, uh, it can lend you to investing in areas that, uh, that, uh, that can be very, very, very profitable. And the, the other side of that is, I always say regardless of where you invest, if if the analysis is right on the front end uh, with some of the things I explained, uh, you can invest in any market. So, so I say success in Airbnb uh, lies in any market, but, but particularly for our folks in the military communities, it can be a safe haven because we're familiar with, with, the, uh, with the territories, we're familiar with some of the people, and we've got you know, sort of wide networks that would allow some people, in some cases, a safety net to say, hey, I've got a couple buddies at Bragg, uh, so starting an Airbnb there would be safer for me because, you know, if something happens, I can always call, call Mike or Dan to come out and, and, uh, and take care of things. So for everybody else, guys, go ahead, smash that like button for the great content. Leave some comments below. Let us know what markets you're in and how uh, Airbnb is doing out there. Uh, if you guys are listening on the podcast, give us a five-star review and be sure to share this content. And then always we have the military cash flow Facebook group that is blowing up right now. We are growing rapidly and people are constantly providing feedback, providing value, giving some of their own personal experiences. And if you guys need to find Cav, you can find them there as well too. And 
let's get some merch, guys. We got some merch coming out. Some new designs and logos are coming out over the next couple of months. So be sure to follow. And our website is getting redesigned. So look out for the debut for that bad boy coming here shortly. Ooh, ooh we got the wiggle arms. <laughs> and then as always, last little plug, guys. If you guys need a real estate agent in your local market, let us know. We have a, a, an ever-growing network of investor-savvy realtors that we can get you connected with. But beyond that, we greatly appreciate you uh, uh, taking the time out to explain to the audience what you got going on and share your story, Kev. We appreciate it. Awesome. Much appreciated, guys.